Today, I will not stress over the things I cannot control. If you live with anxiety or depression, you're not alone. Linden Oaks Behavioral Health is here to help you manage your symptoms so you can live your best life. Visit eehealth.org anxiety, and our experts will connect you with treatment in your area, including our location in Hinsdale. Help for anxiety and depression close to home. Linden Oaks Behavioral Health. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Side Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. We also have some members of the Cubby's Crib crew coming on the show. We have a one-hour show for you today. I know as you're probably listening, whether it's the night of the recording or in the morning, we all know what's going on. The Cubs did not win the division. They will head to the wild card game and play the Colorado Rockies. John Lester will be on the mound. So the regular season is over, 163 games were played, and the Cubs just fell short after a pretty miraculous uh, comeback by the Brewers, who trailed the Cubs most of the second half. So we'll get a lot to that, uh, talk about the season and the game today, and a bunch of other things. Uh, So right now we're waiting on a number of Cubbies crib guys, but right now we have our good friend Bill Quinn, and this is his first time on the show. So, Bill, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks very much. I'm excited to be here. Great to have you. And just I guess I got to welcome Adam. Yeah. Just Hi, wait till the end of the show, Bill. You'll you'll regret <laughs> having, you'll regret that you took part in this experience. I'll make sure of that. This will be great for our PR. Anyway, so while we wait for some other guys to come on, why don't we just get started? Okay, so this is a very weird situation. They've won 95 games. That's more than 2017. That's just two shy of 2015 and 2008, and a good number shy of 2016. But other than that, that's more wins by any Cubs team since 1984, if you don't count the ones that I just listed. So they got 95 wins, but they're not the division winners. We're all pretty disappointed. Just how are you guys feeling right now? Bill, we'll start with you. Well, it, it's funny because I think, you know, we, we sort of look to 16 now as the, uh, you know, the, the gold standard for the Cubs now. And in 15, we were, we were so happy to get to the wild card and, and happy to have Jake on the mound. And we didn't really have a lot of worries at that point because we were sort of a year ahead of schedule. But now we're, you know, in the midst of our, our window and I think, you know, all the fans and probably the players are expecting to win the Central and go right to the, you know, NLDS, and that didn't happen. And you got to tip your cap to the Brewers. But, you know, it, it was a – it seemed like a rough September, but it really wasn't that bad at all. Yeah, I think uh, you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, Adam, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I th- I'm feeling pretty bummed out right now. Obviously, it- for for so much of the season, it, it just seemed, you know, I know we talked about the Brewers being on their tail a lot, but I I think we all sort of felt like the Cubs will come through. They'll, 
you know, it might be a close finish, but they'll they'll win the division. And now that's not the case. But uh, you know, and overall it was it was a really good regular season, lots of ups, lots of downs, but but overall they finished well, but at the same time they only have themselves to blame because they really didn't play very well against the Brewers in the second half, and that's kind of, that's why they're in this situation now. Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, it was one thing to be in the situation where you had to play game 163 because, look, you took two out of three against the Diamondbacks. You took two out of three against the White Sox. You took two out of three against the Cardinals. The only maybe blemish was splitting against the Pirates and not winning that series, but the Pirates were playing some decent ball at the time, uh, and they got some pretty good pitchers. So, overall, if you look at what they did, you would think, yeah, that'd be enough. The Brewers just, I mean, they went on an insane run. What was that, nine straight wins to end the season? Something like yeah, that? Yeah, some, some I mean, eight or nine, something the, like that. Yeah. Right, and they swept the Cardinals, and you did not expect that. No. What disappoints yeah, that, you. That was the killer series. Right, absolutely. All the Cardinals had to do was win one of those games. That's all that had the to happen. Tigers, too. The Tigers just had to not get swept, and they had a yeah, lead in, in two of those three games that they blew. I wasn't a surprise there. That Tigers team's bad. Yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, I was it, hopeful it, when they scored some runs, but it it didn't work out very well. And and I wasn't expecting anything from the Tigers either. It was the Cardinals series that really. And you know what? They they cashed right. it in in that last game. The Tigers did. That's what was most disappointing. Like you could tell, Detroit just didn't want to be there. They were just playing to get that game over with, not to not to win. Which I mean, I get it. You you have nothing. There's no reason uh, to win when you're when you're a last place team, but I mean, you'd, you'd think you would want to put on a good show for the fans that that came for the last game of the year, but whatever. Yeah, well, that's unfortunate uh, timing there. What's for disappointing was losing game 163. That is something you can directly look at the Cubs and say you failed there. You can't control what the Brewers were doing, uh, you know, the last two weeks of the season, but you could have won the game today. They only got three hits. One of them was a Rizzo home run, and other than that, it was a no-show from the offense. And if you look at what the Brewers did, it was pretty fortunate. It was as close as it was because that easily could have been a blowout. Yeah, absolutely. They had, they had what, 12 hits today? And, yeah. I mean, we, we were lucky – we were lucky. We only had three hits and basically had nothing going all day. And, you know, they, they definitely had more traffic and could have scored more than they did. Um, you know, Quintana and, uh, and Chavez really did a nice job through seven, but uh, you can only hold guys down so long with, with no or one runs. Well, and that's the thing. Like people are mad at Justin Wilson. They're everybody's barking at the pitching and, and, it's true. Justin Wilson, he did not he did not pitch well today. That was it was not good. But at the same time, the Cubs scored one run. Like you're not yeah, right. you can bark at the pitching all you want. You score one run in a game 163. You're you're not going to win. You, or at least you don't deserve to. Right. Especially when you uh, give up totally. four hits to Orlando Arcia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you didn't you didn't see that one coming, but. What are you going to do? You score one run, and, I mean, Q did a good job. Chavez did a good job. And at that point, you're hoping you have, you know, two, three, four runs, and it's a different game. But, you know, 
you know, a 2-1 or 3-1 and you got Hader looming, that that's not going to go well. It's Just take this in, Cubs fans. Orlando Arcia went 4-4 four for four today to boost his average all the way up to 236. <laughs> Woof. Yeah. And look, here's the, here's the other thing. If you look at the game and you can say, who are you most disappointed in? Outside Rizzo, you could pretty much point to everybody because, like I said, outside of Rizzo, there was only two hits total. Pretty disappointing day from Javi. Uh, very key double play off the bat of Wilson Contreras. Uh, that did not look good. I think that, really, the two players, three players, really, you could look at and say, you guys did your job, it was Rizzo, Quintana, and Chavez. Those are the three guys you can't be mad at today. Right. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a gem from Quintana, but he pitched well enough to win, for sure. You know, I was I was worried because Quintana just he he's so inconsistent lately. You just never know what you're going to get from him. And so I was a little bit worried about him today, but he pitched well enough that the Cubs should have won today. Yeah, totally agree. He's he's been good against the Brewers all year, and he was, you know, he didn't give us seven or eight innings, but you get five innings with one run in a in a one sixty three, and you're you're hoping for a win when you turn it over to the bullpen. You just didn't right. have a and, run. And they they didn't necessarily need to get seven or eight innings out of a starter today. I, I think we all knew that in a high stakes game like this that decides a lot that both teams would probably you know have a quick hook with any pitcher today. Yeah, I mean you didn't really expect him to go more than six or seven. I mean. Really, when you look at it, it was managed like a playoff game. So, obviously, yeah. a quick hook for Quintana was kind of expected. Yeah, absolutely. You, you had to sort of do it at that point, and you can't fault him. He did his job. Right, exactly. Um, I think another key thing about the game, it was the fact that once – Christian Yelich got on the first time you knew he was going to keep getting on and he kept getting on. They let him beat the cups and it's amazing what he's doing right now. And obviously there's a lot of debate. You walk him, you don't yada, yada, yada. But when you knew he got on, he's like, that's probably not going to be the only time he's going to keep getting on. And sure enough, he did. Yeah, he he was on what three three times today, and uh, you know the first one on that chopper over the mound was you sort of got the feeling it wasn't going to be our day right from the start there, and yeah. uh, you know there's you're, it, you're talking philosophy when you know you're deciding should you put him on or should you pitch to him with with Braun on deck in a second at bat. You know I was I was sort of saying just put him on, don't let that guy beat you. But I mean, one one run there shouldn't have killed you, and we needed more than one run to win anyway. So, I you know I would just say don't let him beat you. But you know a lot of people made good points that Braun's been hot and he's been protecting him pretty well. You know in the last couple weeks anyway. So you're sort of picking your poison. I just I just wouldn't pick Yelich right now. Right. You know what? Oh, you're thoughts on that, Adam. As, as much as I. I'm going on a tangent here. As much as I hate the Dodgers, I hope I hope they sweep the Brewers. I really do. Or wait, 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 wait. 
Dodgers Dodgers don't play the Brewers. That's wrong. No, yeah. we would play no. the Brewers no, if we, we win the wild we card. Play, game. Hopefully if we win that's, tomorrow. that's right. The Dodgers are gonna be playing the Braves, yeah? Right. Braves, yeah. yeah. Okay. God. Well, then we better sweep the we better sweep the Brewers then because I hate those guys. I hate them. I hate the Brewers more than anybody's hated anything ever. Wow. Get there first. Yeah, that is true. That is very true. true. I mean, here's the thing that that Brewers team they are so feeling it right now. I mean, they have all yeah. the mojo going. It reminds me a lot of the mojo the 2015 team had. You know, when you're a team that's new to this kind of thing, you you got to have a lot of mojo, especially the way they've beaten up on the Cubs in the second half. I mean, the, the Cubs haven't been able to touch their pitching in the second half. They are getting shut out constantly by Jolie's Chassin and Zach Davies. I mean, the bullpen is shut out by everyone, but it, it, everyone just can't hit them right now on the team. Which makes no sense because none of those guys are, are elite pitchers. They're all kind of second-tier guys. At best, mediocre most of the time on a good day, but the Cubs can't touch them. You're right, and it's infuriating. But it that, that's what's so annoying about the Brewers. Like as hot as they are right now, they're these guys are a bunch of C team players who are just on a massive hot streak. You know, next year they're all going to come back down to earth, and uh, they're going to win 80 games maybe uh, tops, and that'll be that. But right now they just I don't know. It's it's they're playing out of their minds. They're they're way overachieving, I think. Yeah, I mean we we actually so we beat we beat the Brewers twice uh, when Shasin pitched. He took the loss twice in September against uh, us. So we beat him six four on September fifth and uh, three nothing on the eleventh. And Quintana faced him both times and we won both games. And that's basically the only thing we really did against the Brewers you know, all month, they sort of had our number besides that. And uh, I, I went into today thinking, well, you know, this was a good matchup in September. It's the one guy we had actually beat. And, uh, but they're just, you know, you, you made a good point that they're, they're a lot like us in 15. They're, they're feeling it right now. And, you know, they were sort of charging at the end. And I mean, let, let's face it, the two best teams in the national league are the Cubs and the Brewers. I, I don't, I don't know that there's much uh, argument there. They, they're both, good teams and right now Chicago just seems like they're they're in a little bit of a funk offensively well the offense has been uh you know spotty throughout the season and we'll get to that a little later in the show uh but when you don't have your offense going then against these brewers there's no room for error I mean they find every way to beat you if they're not slugging home runs they're putting the ball in play and they're finding their ways on base. They're doing every little thing they can to beat you. And they have, there have been several agonizing losses against the Brewers. And look, I will always go back to this game until next year starts, unless the Cubs go on a big postseason run, then it doesn't matter. But for the time knock being, on wood. knock on wood. Yes. If the Cubs don't go any further, um, and they lose, let's say they either lose a wild card game, they lose the NLDS, whatever. If there's a game that is going to haunt me this season, it was that game in Milwaukee in that series where if they would have taken two out of three, the race would have been over. And you know yeah, what game I'm talking about. Exactly. That's what I'm saying is the Cubs really only have themselves to blame. You know, despite Milwaukee's 
insane hot streak this second half. The Cubs still have themselves to blame for this because they could have they controlled their own destiny. Yeah, it's frustrating when really when you think about it, one win could have made the difference. Bill, I don't it know what have. you think about that, but Yeah, I mean it's it's tough to say we have, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty and you can look back on a lot of games. I know a couple people I saw were were talking about um Farrell, you know, starting a couple games and it was almost like we were not not throwing them away, but you know, giving giving somebody else a start and you can go back through to any game throughout the year and, and pick, you know, pick something out. And, but I, I don't know that that's necessarily fair or right because it's a long season. And I mean, let's, let's face it at the end of the year, we had, what we we had 95 wins and they have 96 now. That's, you know, I, it was a, it was a rough year and, you know, the trades, trades and signings that, uh, well, I should say the trades worked out well for us during the, the mid season, but, you know, the signings didn't work out so great for us this year, and the signings worked out great for the Brewers. So, you know, if you flip-flop that, we probably win 100 games, and they win 85. So, Well, here's here's the thing about that, because, see, I don't think it was a, a hindsight 2020 situation, um, because the, the thing is, the Brewers were hot on the Cubs' tail all season long, the entire season. So it's not like this close finish was something that we didn't anticipate. And, and and at the time, we did criticize some of the, the moves that Joe Madden made, and, and choosing certain starters in certain games, which, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not one to try to be a, a backseat manager because, you know, Joe Madden has – he's been to two World Series. He's won one. Uh, I'm not going to begin to say that I know better than this guy because I absolutely do not. But but we we knew that the Brewers were going to be a, a, a close uh, – opponent all year long i mean they it was tight from start to finish so to to throw away some of those games in the second half against the brewers i think you know you look back on that and you you have to wonder if the cubs should have done something else see here's the way i look at it i i don't think you can necessarily point to those like luke farrell starts and say oh that's what did it because no matter what whether you're a 95-win team or a 65-win team, there are going to be starts where you're going to have to have guys start that you don't necessarily want or think should. Every team is going to go through that. That's not what really bothers me. The only thing that really bothers me was not beating the Brewers uh, down the stretch. Those are the only games really that matter to this race now. You could point at a lot of wins and say, yeah, they probably shouldn't have won that. You could point at a lot of losses and say, yeah, they probably should have won that. You could do that all day long. But I really think that the important thing here was beating the Brewers and putting them to bed when you had the chance. That's really the games I think about. I don't really think about Luke Farrell starting against the, the Mets or the Reds or whatever. I don't really think about getting swept by the Reds all the way back in May. That was a long time ago. I think about beating the Brewers down the stretch. That's the way I see it. Sure. Yeah. You, you want to, you want to beat the team that's right behind you and, and put them away. And, and let's face it, like you said, one, one game that went the other way, the game in Milwaukee, uh, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about the one on September 3rd where we gave up the run in the ninth. Um, you know, one, one game against them is, 
makes all the difference. We're we're central champs, and we're going to the you know division series right now rather than playing this game. Um, and I don't I don't know that we've necessarily tried to give any of those away, but it did seem like we were a little listless uh, and, and lacked some energy that I thought I saw a little bit yesterday in the uh, the game against the Cardinals. I, I I saw some energy that I hadn't really seen for a while, and I don't know if that's a a function of the the schedule where we played the 30 games in 30 days, and you know we've had a we've had a rough stretch down you know in September. Yeah, I mean, I think there has to be a little bit attributed to those 30 games in 30 days. That was rough. We can't use that fully as an excuse, but you know, sure. I'm sure it it did not help things by any means. Yeah. Well, so okay, I think we've pretty much said our piece on the game. Are there any final thoughts you had on that game 163 for any of you guys? Uh, yeah, I hate the Brewers. <laughs> okay, thank you, Adam. Bill, what about you? Yeah. One one thing, and this this uh, this might get lost in the shuffle. Um, if if things go our way tomorrow and we continue, I, I really like uh, yesterday when Javi took his walk. I thought that was a really good at bat. And uh, today, even though he didn't have the greatest day beforehand, his last at bat against Hader was was a super at bat. He fouled off yeah. some pitches. And he didn't try and do too much. He sort of just rifled the ball into center. And, and you know, when we needed him to keep us alive, he kept us alive. Um, so, I, I, you know, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow and, and beyond. But I, I do like that. You know, Javi went through a little funk for, I thought, a couple, uh, a couple of weeks there when Yelich when was just red hot. And they were sort of neck and neck. And maybe Javi was a little bit ahead of him for a while in terms of the MB, MVP race. Um, but Javi went through a little mediocre funk there. And I thought the last couple of days he showed some signs and, uh, you know, if we're able to win tomorrow, I think that bodes well for us because, cause we need him, you know? And I think he also brings some energy that if he's playing well and hitting well, I, I think that helps us a lot. You know what we really need tomorrow? I think we need, we need a crazy Javi Baez steal of some sort. Yes. You know, I yeah. don't care what base it is, if it's if it's scoring, just stealing second or first on a single. Yeah, it's just plays like that that only Javi can make give the team a certain momentum that you don't carry. It's really contagious when he does crazy stuff like that that only he can pull off. It it seems infectious. It it rubs off on the other guys. Yep. I, I, totally I totally agree. agree. I think that if he does that, that could be a real spark. And that's that's what we need right now to be to be 100% honest. We need that spark. I I thought Rizzo's bomb today. I thought that was gonna gonna do it, and it sort of nothing really happened after that. But I mean, let's let's be honest. What 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 we really need is for Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story to get influenza tonight. But you know, I'm I'm not one to, I'm not one to wish ill upon others most of the time. Yeah, those are going to be uh, your big guys Kyle Freeland to get out. Nice too. Yeah, Kyle Freeland. I, I feel like he's really been an underappreciated pitcher this year. Yes, he has. He's been really good. So, I mean, while we're on the topic, we might as well just preview tomorrow's wild card game. 
Uh, so, like you said, you listed their pitcher. We're starting John Lester. Uh, just from a pitching standpoint, do you guys feel good about this game? Uh, I feel better than I would if it was the Dodgers. Uh, I agree. Like, like we just said, Kyle Freeland, he's been, a, he's been a great pitcher this year, really underrated, under the radar. Uh, but I would be much more worried if we were facing Clayton Kershaw tomorrow. So, you know, as bummed as we all are that the Cubs lost this game, uh, this is not the worst-case scenario. Because I think worst-case scenario would be wild-card game against the Dodgers. I completely agree. Now, here's the other question. I'm sorry, Bill. Go ahead. No, no, no. That's okay. I was just going to say we're going to have a battle of lefties tomorrow. So, you're probably going to see the right-handed lineup from us tomorrow, which – we seems like we haven't seen our, our normal left-handed lineup uh, or left-handed pitcher lineup in a while. Albert really hasn't had a lot of starts down the stretch, it seems like. No, he hasn't. But, yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. You're probably going to see Albert Almora in there. You're probably going to see Wilson Contreras again. Uh, you're going to see – obviously, Rizzo is still going to be in there. He's going to be in there no matter yeah. what. Yeah. You're going to have Bryant. You're going to have Zobris. You're going to have Javi. You're probably going to have Hayward and Schwarber on the bench. Yeah, Schwarber will be on the bench. Will you see Bodie, though? That's that's the question. You know, I really think that this is a situation where you need your experienced guys in there. And let's face it, Bodie has not been all that great ever since that hot start. He's had a few big hits here or there, but – you got to have the more experienced guys in there for a playoff game that's one and done. You you got to treat this game like a game seven. Sure. Uh, speak, speaking of le- lefties and righties, uh, what what is going on with Daniel Murphy facing Josh Hader? Oh my goodness! It doesn't look like he's ever seen a lefty before facing him. It looked like he was swinging with a broom. <laughs> it didn't look good. Not at all. Not at and all. He had the same. He had the same about the last time we we played them, and he faced them too. And this is a guy who's known for basically swinging the bat at any part of the zone and having the ability to shoot it out somewhere. This isn't yeah, like a, a, a huge strikeout guy. Yeah, lefty or righty, he's he's still a good hitter. And he knows how to hit, and you don't see him look that silly very often. No, you don't. So hopefully we don't see that tomorrow from Daniel Murphy. Um, you not. would assume though he's still going to be in the starting lineup, right? I mean, you got to have yeah. that bat in there, even though there's a lefty. I would think so. Even even if uh, you know, even if Joe's tempted to go with a righty somewhere, I think you you have to. You might see Zobris lead off instead. That would be that might be one thing. Maybe go Zo, uh, Murphy, Bryant. Maybe Bryant goes down to the three hole. Or maybe you keep Rizzo. I don't, I don't know. Okay, you so know, who is your guys' outfield left to right? Bill, you go first so I can think about okay. this and then cheat uh, off Albert, you and copy Albert's your answer. Gonna be in, Albert's going to be in center. Uh, my guess is he's going to start Hayward in right either way. It doesn't seem like – Joe doesn't seem to have the same issue starting, even though he's, he's not great against lefties. Joe seems to keep Hayward out there, maybe for defense and and whatnot, over Schroeder sure. with the lefties. But uh, so I think you're going to see Almora in center, Hayward in right, and Zoe in, in left. I think. Okay, I think that's a pretty good prediction. Um, 
cheating Adam? Do you have the same answer or do you have a different answer? Um, that's a tough one because I, I don't know. I, I just feel like, I feel like Hayward is not a good start tomorrow. I mean, you want the glove obviously, but I, I feel like you want the best hitting lineup possible. At the same time, I can't really think of a, a better alternative. So I I think that it'll probably be Murphy at second base and then Zobrist in uh, left, Almora in center, and Hayward in right. I, I'm going to have to cheat off Bill completely here. I mean, it's not yeah, really it cheating because, honestly, that's probably going to be the most likely outcome, right? Probably. Unless, unless you go with Ian Happ because then that gives you right. another right-handed bat in there. Yeah, I, but I, do you really want I, I, Ian Happ starting a do-or-die game? That's yeah, that. Yeah, that's, see, that's, that's the thing. Is and I probably wouldn't. I would almost feel more comfortable with a lefty versus lefty with Hayward up at, at the plate than Happ at this mm-hmm. point. So that yeah, I think that's. I think it's probably Zobrist, Almora, Hayward. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. Um. I think there's no doubt that Elmore is going to be in there. Absolutely no doubt whatsoever. He's been um, hitting yeah. the ball lately. Yes. Yeah. And he kills lefties. He kills lefties. Yeah, that's true. Okay, here's the other big question that I think people are asking. Though I think the answer is pretty obvious. It's going to be Wilson Gutierrez catching, right? I mean, yes. you would yeah. think. Yes. He's he's caught on. Has he caught every one of Lester's starts too? If not all of them, almost all of them. So yeah, I think that, that's one hundred percent. Yeah, and you you really hope that he could do something with the bat because he really hasn't done that at all in the second half. Uh, obviously, he had that home run against the Cardinals, but that was his one home run since like the first of August. But yeah, yeah I mean, you got to keep with uh, pretty much your A lineup there. So if we're going off our predictions. It looks like we're going to be guessing Zobrist, Elmora, Hayward, left to right, then infield, Bryant, Javi, Murphy, Rizzo, Contreras, and then Lester on the yep. mound. Yes. Yep. Yep. I think that you'll definitely see Kyle Schwarber pinch hit. I think mm-hmm. that Later in the game, you'll see Murphy come out. You'll see Zobrist go in at second. And that's maybe when you'll see Ian Happ go to the outfield and left. That's that's my guess. Or or you could see, depending on what's going on, you could – I know I know we just talked about this and maybe it's not going to happen, but you could see Bodie pinch it and then move Bryant to, to right field or left field or wherever – and uh, left field, I guess, if Zoe's out there and then Zoe move into second, I could see them doing that too. Yeah, that's true. Here's here's what I think, though. I I almost wonder if the Cubs are making a mistake starting Lester instead of Hendricks. That is debatable. I, you know, I, Lester's been better lately, but Hendricks is the hot hand right now, and it. I don't know if. I, I'm not sure exactly when he pitched last. I don't know if tomorrow would make a full five days rest or not, but I really think that Hendricks is the best starter on the team right now. Yeah, I mean, you make a good point. I think 
I think everybody's on regular rest. I think everybody's lined up so that this would be Lester's turn to start. Uh, and I think Joe Joe even went on the record saying, you know, worked out okay because Quintano pitched well against the Brewers. Then you have Lester for the wild card. Then you have Hendricks to start game one. And if you can make it there, that's that's a pretty good <laughs> – you'll take that too, right? Yeah, but, and, you know, the flip side of what I had too is that John Lester has been in this situation so many times. It's where he thrives. But just October ball in general, just playoff baseball, he's been here so many times, and he, no matter how he's pitching, he just has ice in his veins in October. And he, so, you know, yeah, the, the more we talk about it, the more I think maybe Lester is the right call here. I mean, if you go based on just reputation, then yeah, you would probably pick Lester. If you're looking at terms of how they've pitched lately, I mean, you could go with Hendricks. Now, who has the more successful resume because of longevity? longevity? Obviously, John Lester. Could you argue that Kyle Hendricks is also a very ideal guy in the postseason? Yeah, because he has had some fantastic postseason starts, including arguably the best postseason start ever by a Cub to win the pennant in 2016. But, yeah, I mean, John Lester, he, you, the main reason you got him was for games like these. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah, I you're, mean, you're picking between one A or one B and they're both studs, so especially in this moment, you know, and and, and like you were saying that Hendricks is pitching really well right now and, and Lester's pitching well now too. So I, I don't think you can go wrong with either one. It's probably just a, a preference maybe based on lineup or um the conditions maybe. <laughs> Hendricks throws, you know, a ton of ground balls, so I don't know, but but both of them have given up more home runs this year than than usual. The nice thing is, at least Hendricks has limited the home runs a lot better in the second half. Second half. Uh, So, yeah, yeah, I mean, in the first half, it was pretty crazy because there were so many of them. They were getting hit at an unbelievable rate, and you kept asking, what the heck's going on? But I think we all had that feeling that Kyle Hendricks was going to settle in. Yeah, you knew he was going to write the ship. He's he's too good. He's too smart, and you can see when it happens. He and he even talks about it. You know, well, I made a little adjustment mechanically, and I feel like I'm close. And you know, if there's any guy that can self-correct, it's uh, you know the professor. Yeah, and he lately he's looked more like the Kyle Hendricks that we've seen yep. dominate, which which means keeping the ball lower, getting to ground, lots of soft contact. When when Kyle Hunt when Kyle Hendricks is inducing a lot of soft contact, that's when he's at his absolute best. Not when he's getting seven or eight strikeouts a game. It's when he's getting weak grounders all the time, which is what he's been doing lately. And you know, I know you mentioned strikeouts, but it is still nice to see that he is missing a lot more bats in the second half than the first half. Absolutely. Yeah, his his changeup his changeup's been nasty uh, the last couple games. And I mean, that's, that's his biggest weapon. I think and it, it's better when he's throwing, you know, 88, 89, 90. Uh, he doesn't hit 90 very often, but 88, 89 rather than 86, 87, which, which was what was happening a lot last year when he struggled. And I think the most impressive part of his whole game is how unbelievably good his command is. Yeah. 
That and the fact I mean, that it's pinpoint. he's calm all the time. Yeah, he he doesn't let the moment get to him. I, let's face it, he pitched great in Game 7 of the World Series. A missed strike three call, if that call's made, he could have gone six, seven innings of one-run ball, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, you said it before, he probably had the biggest win. I mean, I know winning the World Series is obviously a big win, but that closeout game against the Dodgers was was ridiculous. And, I mean, he's, like you said, you know, we've said it. They, it's 1A, 1B. Whoever whoever it works out, if they're on normal rest, then God willing, you know, we, we win tomorrow, and then we have Kyle Hendricks for game one against the Brewers. Yep, right on. And uh, just in case you guys were wondering, uh, John Lester this year against the Colorado Rockies, he has been, uh, well, he's been really good uh, in terms of ERA. The ERA is zero, uh, no earned runs, two unearned runs, 5.2 innings. The whip is at 1.4 in 5.2. So it was just the one start that he made. I can't remember if it was at Wrigley or not. But uh, those are his numbers this year against the Colorado Rockies. Uh, Obviously, it's going to be tough because the Rockies are a very good hitting team and they have Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story. But again, he thrives in these situations. And before we go any further, I think we have Marty is joining us. Cubby's Cribs Marty. Marty, are you there? How's it going, guys? Hey, what's up? Hey, I'm Marty. How's it going? What's going on? Oh, you know. Well, stuff. Strikes and gutters. <laughs> so, uh, stress, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Uh, so we were just talking, Marty, about uh, the upcoming wild card game tomorrow. We were talking about yep. how John Lester, while an ideal candidate, is still probably the most ideal candidate. But I guess you could also make an argument for Kyle Hendricks as well though we pretty much have agreed that John Lester is probably the pretty much the right way to go. What are your thoughts on the Cubs pitching matchup for tomorrow? Yeah, I like Lester. Um, you know, obviously Hendricks in his last few starts, um, you know, ERA, I think it's like a sub two ERA in his last three or whatever. And in his last 15 starts, um, something around a two, two, five. Um, so obviously he's been on a roll here in the second half and, um, you know, you could certainly make an argument for him. Uh, I know Joe said that he would have both him and Hamels, uh, you know, available out of the pen tomorrow. So that's also very interesting. Um, but I just think, you know, they call him big, big game John for a reason, not to sound cliche, but, um, you know, he seems to kind of ratchet it up to another level for, for all of these games that feel like must wins. Um, you know, I remember in 2016 in, in game uh, I think it was game four against the Dodgers um, when he turned in what I thought was one of the, one of the better outings of that entire postseason. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I also saw, I saw somewhere on Twitter earlier today that he's pitched in more uh, elimination games than any other active pitcher in the league in the playoffs, um, which I think, you know, it's just, it's really hard to beat that pedigree. Um, and you just, you kind of think of his mindset as a pitcher. He's just such a grinder. Um, you know, even if he can get five to six really good innings, um, which I think he can certainly do, uh, you know, that's that's what we, we need from him. So um, I like that, that mentality. And, um, you know, as I think I heard you guys saying when, when I jumped on, 
Um, if you're able to save Hendricks for, for game one in Milwaukee, that's absolutely ideal at this point. So um, I kind of like John tomorrow, and um, I think he'll, he'll elevate this game to the next level. Yeah, I really can't disagree with anything you said there. Uh, right on. So the last thing I want to get to for this upcoming wild card game, I'm going to ask each and every one of you individually, what is your one key to the game? And uh, Adam, we'll start with you. What's your key to the game? So I, I'm going to cheat, and I'm going to I'm going to go with two. I'm going to say it's going to have to be Baez and and Bryant. Um, Bryant has looked a little better as of late. Uh, they're going to need him to be more like the Chris Bryant we know and love. Uh, he's going to need to be a little more consistent at the plate, the occasional long ball, and we're going to need to keep seeing good plate appearances from Javi Baez. All right, Bill. What about you? Yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll jump right off of that. And you know, since I talked about it earlier, if if you see Javi going to right center or right field tomorrow, I I think that's a really good sign for for everybody and for the offense. Um, and the other thing is Wilson. You know, we talked about Wilson before against the lefty. Hopefully, he stays stays back and uses the whole field, and he hits like he did yesterday and not today. All right, Marty. What's your key to the game? Uh, I'm actually going to go with Murph. We'll stick with the offensive theme. Um, but I just think that, you know, his, his OPS has fallen below 800. And uh, I just, you know, he always talks about seeing the ball better during day games at Wrigley. Um, but I think we'd really like to see some slugging out of him. Um, and I think that would make things a lot easier for guys like Chris Bryan and Anthony Rizzo and Javi in the middle of the lineup. Um, you know, because I feel like we we have been struggling to advance runners. Um, so I'll go with Murph, especially considering that he – I know he had a hit today, but he looked absolutely foolish against Hayter once again um, and just has sort of been scuffling um, as of late in terms of his consistency at the dish. So, um, you know, I think if he gets off to a strong start tomorrow, maybe a not, even just a, a knock in his first plate appearance could set the tone for the offense. All right, cool. I think what I'm going to go with is I think I'm going to look at Rizzo and Zobris, the two guys that will give you better at-bats than pretty much anybody on the team. If they can get going, then things follow suit. You see what happens when both those guys are clicking. Look at it yesterday in Game 162 against the Cardinals. You had Zobris triple, and then right away Rizzo had another great at-bat, and he doubled him home. So you got to see those two going because if they do, then I think the rest of the lineup follows suit. And I also think that it is absolutely crucial, maybe not as much against Milwaukee, but just being the, you know, winner take all game that it is, you got to score first. You got to get on the board Mm -hmm. for us. You can't play behind. You just can't. Would you guys agree with that? No. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I do. <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm just kidding. Um, I, yeah, I think it's. I, I think it is crucial. I mean, especially considering you know we don't really know what's going to go on with. I, I think Joe did a good job of managing guys in the bullpen, um, but you know we just we don't know really who he's thinking is available. Whether Strokes going to be back, um, and so you know you you really would like to give John an early lead. Uh, and kind of let him go to work and make him feel comfortable so that we might be able to try and squeeze six to seven innings out of him or maybe even pitch the, you know, uh, stretch the pitch count a little bit if, if we have to. 
Um, so, and I think that, you know, obviously jumping out to an early start is, is absolutely essential there. Yeah. So let's just, uh, hope for the best and, um, you know, hopefully they can redeem that offense today because it didn't do much. And the news is from Jesse Rogers is that Pedro Strope will be ready to go tomorrow. Keep in mind, he hasn't pitched in a few weeks, so he may be a little rusty, but, um, he could be a very important piece in tomorrow's game. Uh, so yeah, cross your fingers, go Cubs. And for the last 15 minutes, I wanted to take time, just kind of reflect on the regular season. We already kind of did that in terms of winning the division, but as a whole, I think we could all say it was one of the weirdest baseball seasons we've seen right now. We're feeling a lot of disappointment from a 95 win team. They had some incredible wins this year with all those frustrating losses with all those times they disappointed us with the lack of offense, they had some crazy wins. So why don't we just go individually again? Um, two questions. Actually, no, let's make it three. This is going to be fun. Three questions for each of you. Get your uh, pencils and notebooks ready. So question one will be, what was the best win of the season? Question two, who was the biggest shock of the season, whether good or bad? And three, who was by far the most disappointing factor of the season? So it's going to be best win, biggest surprise by a player, biggest disappointment by a player. And I think we will start me, this me, me, one with Marty. No, <laughs> never you, Adam. Never, ever, ever you. I'm never That's doing this first. show ever again. I quit. <laughs> That's fine. I'll ask one of these guys to replace you. I, I don't really care. Uh, so, Marty. Decision. Take me back, please. <laughs> um, well, I'm I'm really tempted to to say the the Bodie Grant slam against the Nats, but I have a feeling that you guys might be uh, on that train as well. So I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction, um, and I'll say the the comeback win against Atlanta back in April. Um, yes, I you know, he had nine runs in what was it, nine runs in the eighth. Um, and it was just – it was such a gross day. I think it was like, you know, 40 degrees something and rainy and yep. misty here. Um, and it just was absolutely an atrocious game for, all, you know, basically all eight innings. Um, suddenly we get that little rally combined with an atrocious Braves bullpen, which has conveniently been the theme for them all year as well. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it was just – basically kickstarting uh, the notion of how resilient this Cubs team has been. And um, we've seen it ever since that with the amount of comeback wins they have this season. Um, and, you know, for my money, I can't, I can't remember within this three-year period that we've had here a team that's been quite as resilient as the Cubs have under Joe Madden. Um, and I think that that win just kind of embodied that spirit, which we've seen all season. Um, so that would be my top win. Um, do you want me to go through all three, or should, I just, should we just start with that question first? Go through all three. What are your other two? Okay. Okay. Um, so then I would say my biggest surprise, um, and this would be on a positive note, would be Zobrist. Um, I mm-hmm. think he's going to win NL Comeback Player of the Year. I don't really see any other player in the NL who – um, who is really up there. I mean, considering the fact that the guy's uh, amongst the NL leaders in average, um, he's coming off a year in which he hit, I think, 240 
Um, and, you know, for a 37-year-old who's who basically um, in the twilight of his career to be a, util- a super utility guy that's playing multiple positions and still giving you a 300-plus average, over 800 OPS, 10 home runs, um, I just think what he's meant to this team has been absolutely essential. Um, and we saw it, you know, during that stretch uh, right before and after the all-star break where it seemed like, you know, once again we were in one of our offensive funks and he just seemed to be the only guy who was doing anything. Um, so I would absolutely say Ben Zobris is um, my pleasant surprise. And then in terms of uh, the most disappointing um, Again, I'll, I'll trend in a, in a little different direction because I feel like Tarvish is going to be a pretty common answer here. Um, but I'll, I'll go with Willie. And I know he's been mm-hmm. trending up lately again. Oh, you took mine. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's, you know, after the second half of the season last year, I really thought that we were seeing um, the dawn of the best catcher in baseball. Um, and it just seemed like between his defensive pro- prowess to his slugging combined with, you know, still hitting for a 280 average. Um, he was really looking like the guy who was going to kind of anchor that position forward, he and Gary Sanchez. Um, interestingly enough, Sanchez hasn't had his best year. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just – I think it's just been really frustrating ever since that injury. Um, he had such a good first half, even though the power numbers were, were down a little bit, but he was still hitting around uh, 280, 290 for most of the first half. Um, and then, you know, here in the second half, everything just dissipated. And I know we've talked about this before, but he just was not hitting the fastball. And I don't know exactly why that was, but he's getting beat by 90-91. And, you know, if yeah. you try to elevate or just place it right down the middle to Willie in the pass, he hits it off the board like he did in the NLCS last year. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I just – you know, I, I, I'm glad he's trending up again, and it does look like he's kind of found his stroke uh, a little bit. He had some decent at-bats again today as well. Um, but I think that he really has been a disappointment in the sense that I thought he was going to be basically what Hobby has been this year. I thought he was going to be kind of the, the huge breakout um, star, especially coming, you know, back from that injury and ideally having a full season. Uh, and it just it just didn't happen for him in the second half. So I'll go with Willie. I'd like to congratulate you, Marty, on stealing all three of my answers. All three. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Sorry about that. Well, um, Adam, while you think of at least one more answer to one of those, and I'll turn it, uh, let's go to Bill. Bill, uh, what are your answers for those questions? Yeah, Bill. Well, I have I have at least two different. Uh, Marty stole my Contreras, but I'll talk a little bit about that when we get there for a different reason, maybe. Um, the the uh, Marty's 100% right with the best win. The, be- the best win had to be the walk off Grand Slam, I and mean, that was just a crazy game. We had no run. Oh yeah. And we did every everything on that. Uh, that's that's the best win. Um, the biggest shock. I, I have two. I'll use two here. Um, you know, Javi's basically come into his own by laying off of sliders off the plate and taking the ball the other way. If he can continue that, you're, you know, he basically took over the mantle of, you know, the best core young player from Bryant this year who struggled with injuries, you know. And mm-hmm. if you get Bryant back to where he was next year and, you know, you continue progressing everybody along, that's, 
that's a crazy uh, that's a crazy core right there. Um, the other piece is is Bodie, and, and I won't talk about the offense because I know he struggled a lot uh, recently after the hot start. But his defense has been phenomenal. He is superb yeah. picking that that ball up with the bare hand at third base. I mean, he is he yep. is Javi esque picking that ball up bare hand and getting it over to first. There are some plays he's made that that Chris just can't make, and that's that's oh so, absolutely. It's not saying anything bad about Chris Bryant, but I mean he he looks really good defensively. So forget you know struggles offensively. He he looks like a solid bench player solely for, you know, his defense and his pop, you know, uh, whether he hits for average, I don't know. And whether he'll continue doing anything on offense, I don't know, but defensively he's really good. So that's, that's the, the shocks for me. And then the, the disappointing player for me is for the same reasons that Marty said, I, I agree 100% with, with Willie. I, I thought he was going to be a beast this year and just, you know, go off on a tear. And uh, I think maybe one of the reasons is, you know, we, Joe loves him going out there. He's young. He likes catching him all the time. We didn't have a great backup, and I think Willie right. played too many games. I think that might be that might be part of the problem. And even though he's yeah, young, maybe you need you need to give him a rest every so often. I don't, mm-hmm. I, that's that's just my thought. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. No. I mean, I think that's definitely a valid thing to ask. Uh, I mean. He's caught a lot. He plays with a lot of energy, and I'm sure that's exhausting after a while. So maybe whenever the season ends, uh, he could really kind of rest up in the off season and kind of get back into shape, and hopefully things go better next year. But, yeah, I think definitely a lot of people would feel the same way about Willie. Uh, Adam, do you have any other answers to give, even though Marty pretty much stole all of yours? Which yeah, I, I mean, think is Bill, hilarious. And Marty, Bill and Marty already answered for me, but I guess I'll just – I'll just say it again anyway, huh? Um, Great minds think alike. Yeah, you know, I, I was initially going to go with the, the Braves' comeback for uh, best win, but uh, I, the more I think about it, I, I didn't feel more excited than I did when, when uh, Bodie hit the walk-off grand slam. No, that was mm-hmm. historic. Yeah, so, yeah. so that's, that's what I'll go with on, on question one. Uh, biggest shock, I'll, I'll steal uh, Bill's answer. I'll say Baez. Uh, because Javi Baez uh, this year has been what I thought Brian would be. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they pretty much, their stats are pretty much reversed from what I, what I thought they would be. So I'll, I'll go with Baez on the shock. And then uh, in an effort to, to give one original answer, I'll say my biggest disappointment uh, is Ian Happ. I was originally going to go with Willie. Really? And I thought about doing... What? That was mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, join the club, bud. Yeah, now you know how it feels, huh? So I was expecting Ian Happ to build off of last season. It was a oh, good so rookie campaign, good numbers for a guy so young, and I really thought he would hit for a decent average. And and most of all, I thought the power numbers were going to be great yep. this year. Yeah, mm-hmm. we really didn't see any of it. It was it was not a not a terrific season for Ian Happ. He had some good stretches, but overall, this was regression for him, and that's that was really disappointing to me because I was I was really on the hap train this year. So was I, man. I I'm right there with you. If I'm gonna change up my answers a little bit just to be different, um, I, I, there's no doubt the Bodie Grand Slam was the most exciting win. So I think what I'll add in there is the Hayward Grand Slam because yeah, yeah. that kind of started. Very good one. 
Yeah, I mean, that kind of started him, and I could almost kind of count this as my surprise. That started Hayward being a more reliable hitter. I know you look at the numbers on the year, it's like 272, but you know what? You compare what he did this year to the first few years, it's night and day. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you guys all agree with that. Yeah, Yeah, and last year, even a lot of his hits last year were pretty cheap hits, too. And and those cheap hits... And even those cheap hits led him to a really terrible average. This year, he he made really good contact, got hit hit a lot of doubles this year. I think, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. His he line at least drive just hit the ball hard. His fly ball per- yeah, his line drive percentage and fly ball rate were up this year. Yeah, even uh, if the numbers don't jump kept- off the page, he was noticeably better at the plate this year. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. And that was pretty big. Um, my biggest disappointment. I think this is a pretty valid one too. And there are some very unfortunate circumstances with this, but I got to go with Addison Russell and mm-hmm. you all know the reasons why performance and other issues just all around very ugly and his days are and should be done here. Uh, luckily there are options for the future. They're going to go out and spend some money. I guarantee it, but yeah, right there, by far the most disappointing for many reasons. So I'll go with that. Mm -hmm. So we have three minutes left in the show. Are there any last thoughts you guys have uh, going into this wild card game? Anything at all? Yes. Anything at all. I love that. I would just like to take a a quick second to point out to all of you uh, that I beat Alex's fantasy football team this week. So (laughs) I forgot to check our league because I'm in like so many others. So I was oh, wondering. yeah, use that excuse. <laughs> well, no, I'm sure my lineup was set fine. I just didn't look at it. Yeah, it's 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 pretty ugly, man. Oh, man. Um, I I will say that, uh, you know, we asked the question about the, the biggest factor for tomorrow, and I know I said Murph, but um, to piggyback off of what I think Adam said is um, – you know, between, well, I guess you said Javi and Chris Bryant, but uh, between KB and Rizzo, and I know Rizzo's been raking lately, um, but including, well, I guess you can't include today since it was October. Uh, I think between the two of them in September, they combined for three home runs, and that is exceedingly concerning to me. Um, you know, we need them yeah. to get for extra base hits, uh, to drive in runs, and, you know, if you, if you guys remember correctly, in 2016 when we were struggling in, against the Dodgers and, you know, we had that stretch where we scored, um, you know, we, we got shut out twice in a row with, like, four combined hits between uh, games two and three. Um, and then what happens? Rizzo hits his first home run of the series, which was also, like, his, only his third hit, and then all of a sudden they both busted out. Um, and you know, I think you, that same trend could be said for games five through six or five through seven of the World Series that year. Um, so, I mean, it goes without saying that they are absolutely crucial members of the offense. Uh, but especially, you know, in a season in which we have placed so much of the, um, you know, of the onus on the offense, I think they really need to ramp it up um, if we're going to make a deep run. Yeah. No, I yeah. think that's a very, very valid point. Uh, Bill, anything you got quickly to say? Yeah, can we make sure that John Lackey is at Wrigley Field with uh, some kind of clear liquid uh, for John Lester's start? Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Get him on the phone Somebody now. Somebody make that happen. 
<laughs> right. I'm all for it. I am all for it. Well, guys, we are out of time here on Climbing the Ivy. Bill and Marty, thank you guys so much for joining. We really enjoyed having you and hope that you could come on the podcast uh, another time soon. We will have plenty in the off season and hopefully for more October Cubs baseball games. Thank you all for listening. Go Cubs. Hope, hope we could pull out the wild card game. I'm nervous already. Uh, so we'll see you all next time. I hate you, Marty. <laughs> Brace yourself for a beautiful smile. Grove Dental can help you achieve a beautiful, straighter smile for any occasion. At Grove Dental, we offer compassionate and comprehensive dental care in a state-of-the-art environment that tailors to your specific dental needs. With 30 dentists and specialists in four convenient offices in Bolingbrook, Downers Grove, Lombard, and Wheaton, we are Chicagoland's one-stop family dental office. Take advantage of our new patient special and examine cleaning for adults and kids just $49. Now that's something to smile about. Visit grovedental.com. Brace yourself for a beautiful smile. Grove Dental can help you achieve a beautiful, straighter smile for any occasion. At Grove Dental, we offer compassionate and comprehensive dental care in a state-of-the-art environment that tailors to your specific dental needs. With 30 dentists and specialists in four convenient offices in Bolingbrook, Downers Grove, Lombard, and Wheaton, we are Chicagoland's one-stop family dental office. Take advantage of our new patient special and examine cleaning for adults and kids just $49. Now that's something to smile about. Visit grovedental.com. Tom.